0: You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. This morning we're starting a new series called More. More. And I love this series because God wants us to have more. Some of us are afraid to ask for more. and I'm going to show you that in just a second. I'm going to prove that to you in just a second. But God wants us to have more. Have you ever been in a rut? Of course you have. All of us have been in a rut of some kind or some something before we've been in a rut have you ever been in a spiritual rut i know that i have some of you this morning might find yourself in that place where you're in a spiritual rut and that's okay because i have some good news for you what if i told you that it's not your fault what if i told you that your rut is not your fault some of you're going wait a minute i know it's my fault no it's not your fault but what if i also told you that it couldn't be fixed in one sunday But if I told you it took a little bit more, what I want to tell you this morning is this, is that the whole idea, the whole goal that God has in his heart when he calls us to walk with him is that we would experience more, more than we could even ask or imagine, as we're going to see in just a second. And if you'll allow God to, if you'll start that journey today, God will cause you to walk in a place that is even better than you can even think it could possibly be. He wants you to walk in the place of more. Let let me tell you what I'm talking about in the Bible. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. And I want you to hear this because the language in this passage is just beautiful. It's amazing. In Ephesians 3.20, it says this. Now, all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely, infinitely more than we might ask or think. Wow. Wow. How many of you here are bad askers? You're bad askers. You don't like to ask. If you're sitting at a table with a group of people at a restaurant, there's one appetizer left, you're not going to ask for it. You're going to just go, will you like it? No, no, no. I'm I'm okay. I'm a bad asker. I'll be honest with you. I'm a bad asker. Hey, it's okay. Because God takes care of that problem for you. He's going to do infinitely more than you can ask. How about this? You're not a bad asker, but you're a bad imaginer. I don't know the right tense on that. You have a bad imagination. No, not imagina- imagination, but you just have difficulty imagining. You're a realist. You call yourself a realist. You deal with what's in front of you. You've got $4. dollars you got $4. You know, you don't have more money than $4. You don't want things that cost more than $4. Good news for you because God is going to do infinitely more than you can even imagine. What's God saying is that when we step into his more, that he takes us past our limitations into his possibilities. And he uses beautiful language, this beautiful word infinitely, which is something that as human beings we can't even comprehend because it's beyond us, but it's in the realm of possibility with God. And he asks us to step into this beautiful place But here's the thing, is that in order to do that, we've got to know three things. We've got to know the plan. We've got to understand what the plan is going to produce. But really, where the rubber meets the road is in the process. So we need to plan the process and to know what it's going to produce. Ephesians chapter 3 tells us that. So this morning, I want to unpack this with you because we're going to get, in the next four weeks, we're going to talk about the four steps of this process so that we can all walk in the more that God has called us to. So let me take a second and explain the plan. And we see the plan in Ephesians chapter 10. I'm sorry, chapter 3 verses 10 and 12 says this. His intent was that now now through the church the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord in him through faith in him we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Here Paul is talking about this wonderful mystery that is being unfolded right before our eyes actually today. And it is the purpose, the sole purpose of why Jesus Christ, why God interrupted time and sent his son Jesus, fully God, fully man, onto the earth. It is the sole purpose for this. And I want you to see this. Because in our lives, we've got many purposes. There's many things that we get purposeful about. Some things that we are super passionate about. Some things we're like, eh. And some things we just don't even care at all about, but we call them a purpose. But the scripture here uses this language that's amazing And it says this, for this eternal purpose, or can I say it like this? This one purpose that transcends time from the beginning to the end that stands above all purposes. This one purpose that Jesus Christ came. Whoa, wait a minute, what is it? Why did God send Jesus when he sent Jesus? Have you ever thought about that? Has anybody besides me had that weird question? Like, why, God, did you not just send Jesus after Adam and Eve sinned? Right? Let's just get done with it. Why do we have to go through all this pain of all this? Can I just present to you, very gently, I think that the passage we just read answers that question. And in doing so, what it does is it just cuts out the legs of every demonic lie that has said that God is cruel, that he's unattached to humanity, that he's judgmental, that he doesn't care, that he doesn't love his creation. And it goes back to the very heart of God that said, Listen, this one purpose did I send my son, Christ Jesus, this eternal purpose, and here it is. That in him and only in Christ Jesus may we have confidence. To approach God in freedom and confidence. See, God could not stand it anymore that his creation was afraid. And so in the eternal purpose in Christ Jesus, he said, come in. And through Christ Jesus, listen please, we have confidence and freedom to approach God. Wow. What a wonderful truth. God's not a God that keeps us far off, but He's one, a loving Father that pulls us in. But the plan goes a little further because it says this that it was His intent now that through the church this wisdom would be expressed. So, what does that mean? It means for us, here's the plan, is that as the church, not the organization of the church, not the denomination of the church, But as individuals in love with Jesus who make up the body of Christ, that church, that we would display the one eternal purpose that carry that message of Jesus Christ that says you can come near to God in confidence and in boldness. And by doing so, we walk in the more. That's the plan. That's God's plan. So the question is, are you displaying that in your life? Because if you're not, you're not experiencing the more that God created for you to have. He wants you to have that more. And let's skip the process for a second and talk about what it produces because we just read it a few minutes ago. In Ephesians 3.20. Let me step back into the plan for just a second. Because there's something else I want to see. I want you to see that's very important. Because... Jesus actually, God actually does this with the measure of authority here. The Scripture it says here in verse 10, intent, in 3.10 it says, His intent was now through the church the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to all the rulers and authorities in heavenly realms. Here's why I want you to see this. It's because with most purposes they have the extent of the realm of our authority. You want to lose weight, it's up to you. How far does your authority go? Well, throw a bag of cookies in front of you, you're going to see. Right? True or false? You want to work on your marriage. Well, where does the extent of the authority go? The extent of the authority goes into the first conflict. And then you see how hard you want to work on your marriage. But here's what God says here about this eternal purpose that's supposed to rest in us. It causes us to walk in the more. Is that he solidified it, not just on this realm, but in heavenly realms. Let me say it like this. In my house with my five kids, they share bedrooms. And my two youngest share a bedroom upstairs in the corner right room. They have a realm of authority. So what they do is they make rules all the time. Here's where you can go. This is what you can touch. This is what you can play with. This is mom, right? You know, it goes like that over and over again. So their immediate realm of authority is right in their room. But then there's an upstairs, because my wife and I's bedroom is downstairs. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Boom. All right. <laughs> and then there's that authority of the upstairs where the kids reside. It's the kingdom of the kids. And they got to, oh, man, there's, sometimes there's conflict in that kingdom. Most of the time, there's conflict in that kingdom. All right. And so then there's that realm of authority. And then every once in a while, it gets carried down into my realm in my wife's realm of authority. But here's the deal, is that the law that we pass, the authority that we possess, rules over all of it. When we say something, even about a toy or an item that they individually possess, they have to abide by it. And when God made the eternal purpose of Jesus Christ known, he gets up and says, listen, I'm just not making it known on the earth amongst you guys. What I'm doing is I'm establishing it at the highest place. Why? Because it carries the authority all the way from the top down. It's a powerful truth. So here's what it produces in verse 20. 21 of Ephesians 3. Everybody okay? It says, now, to all glory, all, to, sorry, blip. now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power to work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. What does God do as he produces the more in us? As we walk in this eternal truth, as we carry it, as we apply it to our life, as we grow in it, as we grow in the fulfillment of our destinies and who we've been created to be, he causes us to walk in that place. But I want you to hear the beautiful language that God again uses here, and he says this, the glory to him and in the church and Christ Jesus for all generations. All generations. So He doesn't just produce something here, and parents, listen, it doesn't just produce something. Now, the things that you are, are working on, the more that you are going after by faith that you're stepping into, listen, it's not just producing something for you. It's yielding something for all generations. Keep on going. So let's talk about the process. And I want to show you this. It's going to go up on the screen. Can we actually get, is it too late to get 14? Can you hit me from start at 14. It's pretty bad when the pastor doesn't carry a Bible. My Bible's on my phone. It's all right, y'all can laugh. No? All right, we'll come back to it. Hold on, it's all right. You can, you can bring it up in just a second. Let me read this to you in verse 16. It says, I pray out of his glorious riches and he may strengthen you with power through the spirit in your inner being So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and and deep the love is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. I want to show you these four steps really quickly. When you look at verse 17, you see this. The first step is to know God personally. When it comes to walking in the more, to know God personally, what does he say? So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. The first step is this, is to allow Christ to dwell in your heart through faith. And this isn't just simply salvation. It's so much more. It's so much more. We're going to unpack a little bit of that today. But the first step is this, because this is where it starts. When the love of God is shed abroad and your heart is opened up, your, opens up your heart and you begin to respond to that wonderful love. But it doesn't stop there. It goes on in verse 18. And it says this, that, that we may have power together with all of the Lord's holy people. The next thing, the next step is this, is that God wants you to live as free people. There's a way that you get free that God designed, that he puts you in the In this beautiful mystery, this wonderful body called the church that he knit us together. And this is the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church is so that we grow up together. Why? Because we cannot grow separately. We can't grow separately. And the scripture tells us this. There is a time and a place where we can only grow when we're together. We need each other. We need each other to, to, to share our burdens, to share the things and our weaknesses that we're going through. And even in the book of James, it says this, that we confess our sins one to another, that we may be made whole. It doesn't save you, it makes you whole. Why? Because as we confess our weaknesses, what the body is supposed to do is supposed to strengthen that which is weak. So do you see God's process here? Do you see the, the start where we allow uh, faith to be built in our heart and we know God personally but then we begin to live as free people we live as free people but then when we drop down to verse 19 we see this it says to be filled to the measure of all the fullness God doesn't just want us to know him personally it doesn't just stop there or to walk in freedom it doesn't just stop as we get free but God wants us to be fulfilled he wants us to be fulfilled And what that means is this, is that you were designed with a specific purpose and a very valuable destiny. The way I like to say it is this, is that you are an A plus at something. God designed you special. And what you have is so needed and so important. Some of you don't even realize it about yourself, but God wants to bring you into this place. But you can't live in the more until you live a fulfilled place, a fulfilled life. So God brings us into the place of fulfillment. Doesn't it make sense to trust the one who created you to allow him to be the source of your fulfillment? The one who says, listen, this is what you've been designed for. This is what you were created for. This is why you are special to me. This is why I placed you on the earth at this moment. You know, I want to tell you something about this. I just want to to step on this for just a second, okay? Some of you are looking at me like, okay, that that sounds really, really soft and fluffy. But here's the deal. When the enemy attacks you, because this is a tactic of the enemy, starts to attack you with hopelessness, this is where he attacks you at. the enemy starts to beat on your door, knock on your door, and some of you, this is a very real sensitive, real thing in your life with depression. He starts to knock on your door. This is where he attacks you at, the sense of fulfillment. Here is how God combats that, by fulfilling you, by showing you your purpose, by showing you your destiny, by telling you why you are so important to exist on the earth today. Okay? Very, very important stuff. But God doesn't even leave us there. He asks us to walk one more step, to know him personally, to live as free people, because we got to be free. we got to be free people, to be fulfilled people, but then to do more than we can even imagine, to step out, to make the difference that we were created to make on the earth, no matter where that is. For one of you, listen, for me, one of my greatest goals is so that I, I can live a life passionate with Jesus so that it's infectious to my kids. I want to make a difference there. I want my kids to see me worship. Listen, I, I know they're going to see dad fail a bunch. They, trust me. Mike, you guys can nod on this. You go, like, mm-hmm, that's right. Listen, but I want them to see somebody who loved Jesus so intent that they believe Jesus is real. And when they step out and do that, they encounter the reality of Jesus the way I know him. I want to make a difference there. I want to make a difference in emerging leaders who are coming up and saying, I believe that I'm called to do something powerful in ministry. You know what I want to do? Is I want to do this number. I want to just throw them up. Just throw I want to take emerging leaders and push them up. Here's my point. Is that when you know you're fulfilled, you can make a difference. Because you're empowered by the Holy Spirit. And this is what Paul prayed for the church, for us today. That we would come and our eyes would be open to this. Why? Here's the plan. That you would know the more the eternal purpose of Jesus Christ. That when you encounter Jesus, you can encounter God and begin to step into this wonderful truth. That God's going to lead you in a place that you can do even more than you can ask or imagine. And if you take these steps, you're going to walk in the more. So this morning, let's unpack this really fast. To know God personally. Somebody say, Pastor, I made that decision when I was seven. I think I got it set. It's much more than that. There's three things you got to know about knowing God personally. Three things you have to allow God to do to know Him personally. This is how He wants to know you. First, you have to allow Him to heal your broken heart. You have to allow Him to heal your broken heart. Paul prayed this. It's what we read in verse 17 that... Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. It starts at salvation. We call it salvation. And what that means, in case you've never heard that before, all that is, is the Bible says very clearly, you've got to trust in Jesus. You've got to trust in him as the one who, who lifted off the weight of your sin, who broke that power. And you've got to place your faith in that. You've got to place your faith in the gift that was given at the cross when Jesus allowed his body to be broken, his blood to be shed. That's what we celebrate at Communion. And again, what it says to us, it says, Jesus, I believe that what you did at the cross is sufficient. It covers my sin, but it brings me into righteousness. And the Bible says very simply, this saving faith, when you believe that and you confess that, the Bible says that you're saved. If you simply say, and you mean it in your heart, Jesus, I believe what you did at the cross is for me, is sufficient to cover my sin. I invite you to be the Lord and master of my life. The Bible says you're saved. This is saving faith, but it's even more than that. The goal of God's heart is to heal your broken heart and to make you free from all condemnation. And condemnation is not just simply the things that we've done wrong. See, because sin works in a funny way in our life. And some of us resist the love of God because of three things. One of three things, either pain, pain, weight, or fear. Let me talk about these for just a second. Pain. These are things that have happened to you. Some of us resist the love of God because of things that we have had happened in our life that we deem unfair. And we rationalize those unfair things by saying, God, if you loved me, if you knew me, you wouldn't have let this happen. And see, what God wants to do, if you allow him to, is to heal that place of brokenness in your heart. To be the God who maybe doesn't answer the question but loves you so securely and so soundly that it heals your heart. He wants to take care of your pain. But you have to allow him to do that. The second thing is wait. And these are the things that we've done in our own doing to ourselves. What we call sin. And I've had people come and I've even felt like this before in my own life. i say, listen, what I've done is so sinful, it's so wicked how could God ever love me how could he ever forgive me can I can I read a scripture to you a beautiful scripture to you it's John chapter 3 verse 16 17 and 18 the first part of this you you know by heart for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life but here's what I want you to hear For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. What is God saying? What is Jesus? These are actually Jesus' words. What is he saying? Is that I came and the work at the cross that he was going to do, that he fulfilled What it did to condemnation is it condemned sin. It condemned the shame of your sin, the weightiness of your sin. It condemned it. And he said that when you come into faith in me, when you trust in me, and you allow me to heal that broken area of your heart, I will take that weight off of you through the power of the blood that I shed at Calvary's cross. The third thing is this, fear and these are the things that may happen. Some of us don't embark and allow God to to heal the broken areas of our heart because we're afraid. We're simply afraid. We're afraid of what might happen. We're afraid of the unknown. In 1 John 3, 19 through 21, it says this. This is how we, we know that we belong in the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in His presence. If our heart condemns us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, then we have confidence before God. See, what God does in his loving kindness, he steps into the place of our fear and he takes the weight of our fear off of us, but it takes us trusting and saying, I'm gonna allow you to love me even as I'm afraid. I'm gonna trust you. Some of you actually, these things may kind of inter. inter here a little bit. Because of pain, you're afraid to ever let love back in your heart because you've been hurt so bad. But to know God personally means to allow Him to come into the broken areas of your heart and to do these things. But you have to trust Him and trust me, He won't let you down. See, because I know Him as the one who lifts pain. I know Him as the one who has broken condemnation in my heart. And I also know Him as the one who's overcome fear in my life. And I know him as the true lover of my soul, the one who holds me secure. The second thing in knowing God personally is this, is that it doesn't stop at allowing him to fix your broken heart. He's got to fix your broken head. So many of us have just simply stopped in our relationship with God over the, after that one decision that we made, maybe when we were seven at vacation Bible school. And let me tell you, that decision is very real and it meant something. And friends, listen, in the truest definition of salvation, you're saved. But we're talking about walking in the more. And here's the deal is when it comes to understanding the more of God, this immeasurably more, infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. If our mind is not at peace, even though our heart's been made right through salvation, we're not going to walk in the more. But to know God personally means that we are walking with him. Or walking with him. Paul says this in verse 16. He says, listen, I pray out of the glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. In your inner being. We have to allow God to come in and to to challenge and change our perspective. Because sometimes even though we may confess Jesus Christ and say, yeah, I'm saved. So much of the way we view the world has been measured through an experience here, here, or here. We've seen something happen, and this begins to guide the way we think about everything. And what God wants to do to bring us into the more is to begin to fix our broken head. He wants to begin to renew our minds and change our perspective. Romans 12, 2 says that, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. So many people say, well, listen, that sounds good, but how do I know? And and the scripture says it right here very clearly, very plainly, is that when your mind is renewed, you're able to test it. What are you thinking about? Is it acceptable? Is it good? Is it healthy? Does it love God? Is it pleasing? See, when our mind is renewed and God has been able to fix our mind and, and heal the broken areas of our mind, and it's okay. Please understand if, if your perspective's a little messed up or it's guided by experiences, we've all been there and we're all walking through this process. But there's a way to know. And the way to know is to hold it up against what is good. Do you think about things that are good? Do you think about things through the lens of what is happy and joyful? If not, allow God to heal your broken head. Here's how he does it in 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5. He says this, the weapons, you need weapons to help fix your mind. That we, of our warfare, are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion that's raised against the knowledge of God. And take every thought captive to obey Christ. This is what God's saying. I know there's a lot of words there, but I want to explain this in the simplest way. Please understand this. It's to fix your mind. You don't have the power to do it. You've got to trust the Holy Spirit. You don't have the power to fix your own mind. Because those experiences that are guiding your life, I'm going to hurt that person because they hurt me. Oh, I know what Murphy's Law is. Something good's happening, so something bad's around the corner. Those things are powerful. They've set up residence. They've started taking and charging you rent, because they're living in your brain. So the only way to get free is to say, God, I need your help. I need to know you personally. I've invited you into my heart, and I, I have salvation, but I need you to heal my mind. God, will you heal my mind? And here's why God does that. This is the goal of allowing God to heal the brokenness of our mind, is that he'll fill you with hope. And if you don't get anything else today, this is the message I want you to take away from knowing God personally, is that when you know God personally, you're filled with hope. And write this passage down somewhere, Romans 15, 13, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him. As you take that step to trust Him, to be the one who heals your broken heart and your broken mind, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. See, God doesn't want you waking up tomorrow and thinking about all the things that are stacked against you that are wrong. Listen, today I know those things may be real things, but he doesn't want you to see it through the lens of hopelessness. What he wants you to do is to be empowered by his Holy Spirit so that you can begin to see through the lens of hope. That's his goal of fixing your broken minds. And then finally, it's this, and we've got some people getting baptized today as they come on up. And the band comes on up. It's gonna be exciting. Some people are getting dunked. Hey, those of you getting baptized, we have this kind of rule where we're trying to hold you down for like two minutes. You're really clean after two minutes. <laughs> Just kidding with you. Nope. talk to this wonderful crew that's getting baptized this morning we've got two little ones and one slightly older one I'm not going to call her old I'm smarter than that alright we got kids coming in this is about to be real fun Surprise for surprised with Pastor Andy alright I talked to these guys this morning and we talked about what baptism is and this is the final thing that has to happen in order to know God personally. Hi guys, come on in. you guys are awesome. quite a crew It's this is that you have to come into the family in verse fourteen of chapter. Three of Ephesians, Paul praises, says, For this reason, I bow my knee before the Father. Go to the next one. From whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And if anything sums up God's heart and the reasons of why we know him personally, it's this. It's because he wants to bring you into the family. And the 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 three great people that are going to be baptized in just a minute, they they understand this because they're in the family. They're in the family. And some of you, that may be a tarnished thing when you think about family. Some of you, that may be a great thing. But it doesn't matter because when you take the invitation and you come into the family of God, here's what you're encountering. And here's what happens, is that you come under the headship of Christ. It means that Jesus becomes the CEO of your life. There's no easy way for me to say this, but here's the deal: is that Jesus can run your life better than you can ever think you could. If you'll trust Him, here's why: because you don't just come under His headship; you also come under His love, the love of the Father. That you begin to experience the love of the Father in a way that you never thought you could before, a way that allows you to say something maybe you've never said before, not even to your earthly Father. And please hear me. Please hear me this morning. Because God says this it's not a cry of your heart first, it's a cry of His heart first. Call me Daddy. In Romans 8, the spirit of adoption, which he pulls us into his family, it cries in us. We cry, Abba, Daddy, Father. Why? Because we're encountering the love, the love of God in a real way. And then we come under the benefits of the family. We know the security and the peace that comes from knowing God personally. We know the fellowship that we share in the body together, that we have together. We know that personally. And we know a future that's filled with more. All right.